0: well good morning how's everybody doing doing well good good well my name is adam i'm the lead pastor here at element church and i want to welcome you uh to the as my oldest son called it the best day of church ever and uh and so we do this a couple times a year just on holiday weekends just change things up a little bit um plus who doesn't love biscuits and gravy so um so we just you know love to do this love to change things up and Uh, When my oldest son, Beckett, he's eight, when he found out we were doing breakfast, uh, he was really excited. Um, But he was also really scared that there were not going to be breakfast burritos. So I don't know who brought the burritos, but thank you. You saved my son's day today uh, because he loves burritos. And uh, he was really excited when he saw those. So welcome. We're really excited that you're here at Element Church with us. And, um, you know, obviously, this is a little different. The format's a little different. We don't normally sit at cafeteria tables. Um, Although the cool thing about those tables is the tabletop will actually flip down and create like the back. So they create pews. And uh, when we first rented this school, um, the janitor was really insistent that we use these as pews. And I was like, no, I think I'd rather use chairs, be a little more comfortable. But, um, you know, this it's a little different, but uh, it's a great day and and great opportunity just to worship together. And then for us just to think a little bit um, as we leave today about God and what He's doing in our lives and uh, what He wants to say to each one of us. And as we get started, first of all, I want to thank Nick and Trina and Ricky um, for leading us and, and thank um, Nick and Trina especially for, for taking the lead while Jay, our worship leader, is out of town. It's just always a joy to have you guys lead for us and um, really appreciate you stepping in. Um, so um, we have been in a study in the Gospel of John. Um, that's where we are as a church. We've been just walking. Do you want to you want to help? You're welcome to. <laughs> um, hey, that's great because she used to be scared to talk to me, so that's a big improvement. Um, so we've been in a in the in a study of, of the gospel of John. And uh, just been walking systematically, verse by verse, through it. And so we're going to read some verses from the Gospel of John. Now, I know many of you don't have your Bibles. That's okay. Um, if you have your phone or your tablet and you want to open up the Bible app, that's great. Normally, we pass out Bibles. We have them in our chairs. We just didn't put them out today since we're, we're eating food. But um, the verses, at least the ones out of the Gospel of John, are going to be on the screen for us today. Um, so hopefully that will, that will help. And we'll just kind of uh, be able to get into... Into rhythm that way together as you can look on the screen. Now, before we jump in, um, I don't know if you guys, you look back over your life and if you can identify certain people who had a tremendous impact on you uh, and and really shaping who you've become. And and maybe you've had people in your life um, who have spoken words of life into you, um, who've really uh, encouraged you. Maybe they saw something in you that no one else did. Maybe they saw something in you that... Um, you didn't even see in, in, in yourself, and, and for them to speak life and truth and encouragement to you um, changed your outlook. It changed the way you see yourself. It changed the way that you see the world. Um, maybe you've had those people in your life. I know I have, but maybe you've also had people uh, in your life who have told you who you are not, um, who have come to share with you, uh, to let you know when, when they see something that isn't in you that maybe you thought you did see in yourself, I um, had a pretty big uh, moment like that in, in high school. Now, I really wanted to be a track star. Um, and uh, I know, look at me, I obviously look like a sprinter. And, um, and so, you know, I played football, played a lot of sports, and, and I could hold my own on the football field. But holding your own on the football field and then being on a track are two different worlds. I didn't realize this. Um, but, but, uh, my freshman year, I signed up for track and our head football coach was also our head track coach. And so he had me come out and he was going to have me run the 100 and the 200 and the four by one and the four by two. And I was excited cause I was going to be a sprinter and, uh, you know, like everybody who enters into track thinks they're a sprinter. I, I coach the track team here at this school and, um, you know, we'll have, uh, anywhere between, you know, 30 to 70 kids come out for track, and about 95% of them think they're the next Usain Bolt. Like, they're going to come rock our worlds. And we tell them on day one, literally, before we even start practice, day one of track meeting is, you're not a sprinter. Um, Most of you aren't. Most of you are going to have to suck it up and learn how to run long distance. Some of you are going to have to learn how to do events that you don't think are very cool. Um, And so, But I thought I was going to be a sprinter because I was fast on the football field. And so I go out, go to practice. First track meet, my coach had me signed up for four events. First event, 100-meter dash. I get in line. First of all, they start calling out times, and they put you in heats according to your time. And so they start calling out times, and I'm like, high school kids run that fast? Like, so they keep calling out times, keep making these heats, and I'm like, yeah, I can't be in heat five. Nope, I'm probably not going to be in heat six. So finally, I was like, I'm just going to lie because I'm not going to be in the last heat. So I'm like, yeah, I can run that fast. So I get in like heat seven or something, and, and the gun goes off, and I got smoked. It was embarrassing. And I crossed the finish line, and I'm like, I cannot believe that just happened in front of people. And my coach walked up to me, and he said, Young? I'm like, yes. He's like, you ever thought about throwing discus? <laughs> I was like, That's the best idea I've heard all season. And so uh, I did. I actually ended up becoming a a discus thrower, um, and it became an event that I loved. I threw the shot put. I threw the javelin. um, And so the field events really became something I became passionate about and spent uh, all the rest of the years in high school doing. But, But, you know, my coach stated the obvious, but he was willing to look at me and tell me, you're not a sprinter. You may think you are. You may want to be. But let me tell you who you're not. And without recognizing that, without moving into that, without accepting it, um, I would have been held back from what I could have done, uh, from, from being a part of events that I turned out that I loved, that I qualified for, for state for several years in. Um, I could have missed out on some great moments and opportunities had my coach not been able to say it and had I not been able to acknowledge what what I was not. And so let's open up to... The Gospel of John, and we're going to be in chapter 1. I normally have a head mic on. I don't today, so i got to do this one-handed. Okay, and so we're in verse 19, and uh, we're going to start reading about a guy named John the Baptist and a guy who had a great ministry to prepare and lead the way for Jesus. And it says this, starting in verse 19 of John chapter 1, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he said, No. And they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And so the picture that we get in the story is a group of religious leaders are sent to check on John. John the Baptist has been doing ministry, he's been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been gaining a lot of followers, gaining a lot of notoriety. He's been baptizing people in the Jordan River as a preparation for the ministry and the life uh, of what Jesus was going to come and do, and he was pointing people to Jesus. But religious leaders were starting to get uncomfortable because John was becoming really popular, because thousands of people were heading out into the wilderness to hear this man Preach, Because hundreds, if not thousands of people were devoting themselves to John's teaching to follow him, to go where he went, to do what he was saying to do. And it was a threat to the religious leaders and their authority. And so they want to know, what authority do you have to be doing these things? What authority, whose authority do you have that would give you the right to take all this attention? For so many people to be devoted to you. And so the religious leaders send a group of representatives to check on John. And and this is that interaction that we get here. And so their question over and over is, who are you? Are you the Christ? You know, oftentimes when we think of Jesus Christ, we almost naturally associate Christ with his last name, but it wasn't. It's a title. Christ literally means the anointed one, the sent one. And so are you the Christ? Are you the anointed one? Are you the one that we have been waiting for for hundreds of years? Because almost 2,000 years before the life of Jesus, a man by the name of Abraham received a promise, a promise from God that God was going to do something in and through him and his family and his lineage and his legacy that was going to impact and bless the world. And so the religious people had been waiting and waiting for this anointed one, the one who's going to come to be that blessing. I said, are you the Christ? I said, no, I am not. Are you Elijah? Do you come in the ministry of the prophet Elijah? No, I don't. Are you a prophet? Are you here? Are you you trying to communicate to, to all the people? Do you think you're better than us? John says, no. So who are you? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. You know, Jesus isn't the first man that people have worshipped. There have been men and women throughout human history that people have, have lifted up, put on a pedestal, worshipped, praised, lived, devoted their lives to. John wasn't going to let this happen because he knew he wasn't here To gain followers, he was here to help promote people to follow Christ. And so part of John's identity wasn't in just knowing who he is, but knowing who he was not. You know, everything about our culture and society um, tries to push on us who we are. You're strong enough, you're smart enough, you're pretty enough, you're successful enough, you've got what it takes. Everything. Uh, magazines, books, commercials, they either say you are good enough or if you'll just do this or buy this, then you will be. Everything almost about our culture is trying to push us to understand and to gain our identity. And almost all of it is about adding things to our lives. About adding new, new labels, new titles, new possessions, new success stories. Adding to us so that we can help be defined so we can find our identity and who we are. But John doesn't find his identity in, in adding titles. He finds his identity by beginning with who he is not. In Galatians chapter 3, this is going to be on the screen for us. Um, the Apostle Paul is talking a little bit about identity and how we find it. And he says this, Why then the law? Why the why the Old Testament law? Why the religious rules? Um, why the lists of do's and don'ts? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Excuse me. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the Scriptures imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise of faith, by faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Now that's thick, it's weighty, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to work through. Um, but what Paul is saying is, what's the purpose of the law? And He says the purpose of the law is not to save us, but to show us that we need a Savior. Then he goes on, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming of faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are, are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Uh, and Neri talks about that old promise that they had been waiting for. And so here's why we read that. Most of us uh, work hard at creating an identity. Some of us do that on a religious level. We try to be better, do right, stop doing wrong. We're following laws in order to create an identity of who we are. Paul says our identity is found in only one place, and that's in Jesus. It's not about how hard we work or how good we are, how impressive we can be. It doesn't matter what kind of background we come from. He said, there is neither Jew or Greek, there is neither slave or free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All of us find our purpose and identity in Christ and Christ alone. And for some of us, that begins when we start realizing who we are not. That we don't have to be good enough. We don't have to be smart enough. We don't have to work hard enough. Because none of those efforts will ever earn our position in Christ. It doesn't come through law. It doesn't come through obedience and doing good things. It comes through faith in Christ. And despite everything else in our society that tells us that we need to work harder and add more things to our life so that we can have an identity, all of us need to begin with embracing the not. Embracing who we're not. Embracing that we're not smart enough, not good enough. We don't do enough right. And as we begin to embrace the knots in our life, it opens the door for us to find who we truly are in Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for our time together. And um, God, I just thank you for uh, just great time to spend with one another. Uh, I hope that new uh, relationships were made, new friendships were made in this room today. Uh, Lord, I pray that, um, God, that you would just continue to grow our church and grow us in fellowship and Uh, Lord, I'm so thankful for the people in this room today. We thank you for good food and good times. We thank you that uh, even when we're informal, you come to meet with us. God, as we leave today, would you help us to embrace who we are not, to stop feeling the pressure to do more, to be better, but to accept who we are in you. And that that is the only thing that matters. Lord, we love You, we praise You, we thank You, and pray all this in Your name. Amen.